You're listening to One Thing Real Quick. It's a podcast about design and creativity where each episode is built around a single question. My name is Evan McDonald. Our guests are the kinds of people who use creativity every day. Designers and writers, photographers, artists, musicians, filmmakers, and on, on. This week I'm talking with Misty Johnson. She has nearly 20 years of branding experience with a specialty in naming. I first met Misty Johnson just over 10 years ago. At the time, she was a senior program manager on the naming team at Interbrand in New York City. While she was there, she worked with AT&T, at the Ad Council, Procter & Gamble, Heinz, Toyota, and a lot more, doing everything from brand naming and renaming to naming products and naming all the other stuff that, that brands like to have names attached to. I really enjoyed this conversation. Brand design is the kind of work that I do every day, and I've been lucky enough to work on some naming projects myself, and I really enjoy the naming process. I find it to be a fascinating process, and one that I think most people, that they underestimate. Here's Misty talking a bit about the process and the scope of this kind of undertaking also was in charge of the rebranding for Deloitte Consulting when they they had some legal and ethical challenges and wanted to show um, just a change in, in that direction. And so they needed to rename Deloitte Consulting. And so, so that one, that one was very, very long. Um, that one, I managed a database over 10,000 names. We would do something called a pre-screen. So we had a trademark firm that we worked with that uh, we would send them lists, we would call it down and we'd send them a list and kind of get feedback from them on whether it was a go or a no go. And they would look at things as like phone books and domain registries and DBAs. And so you actually would pick the trademark class, whether it was a food or whether it was automotive or whether it was um telecommunications. So what? So from making massive lists of names, in this specific case, 10,000, to calling that list and then vetting, the naming of a brand or a product is a potentially huge project with legal and linguistic pitfalls. And sometimes naming a brand or a product can take years. And with the rate at which trends change, your product could become obsolete by the time you've come up with a name for it. There was, and sometimes it does take years. I mean, they, that was one thing they, um, Miller actually was coming out with a low carb beer. And then I think the name they actually ended up keeping was fortune, um, Miller fortune. And the problem is, is they waited so long on the name, the low carb phase kind of died out. And so, (laughs) Um, they ended up keeping the name, but they ended up, you know, not using it for the, the purpose that they intended or for the product they intended it for Michelob or I'm sorry, Miller fortune, but they ended up five years later, you know, as something else. Naming is a big task. And this week, my guest, Misty Johnson shares some insights about this task, about this process, the process of naming things. And my question for Misty, how do you respond when people react negatively to name changes? Stick around for the rest of my conversation with Misty Johnson. 
She'll share some really important ideas about naming and renaming, specifically a story where a rebrand and a rename project went over about as about as well as anyone could have expected. And she'll outline some of the things that they did that I think could apply to just about anyone that's renaming or rebranding just about anything. But before we get there, a little message from our wonderful friends over at Libro.fm. If you like audiobooks, and I hope that you do, I know I do, you should be getting them from the Robin Hood of audiobooks, Libro.fm. See, Libro.fm offers the same experience and selection from places like Audible, but they have partnered with thousands of local independent bookstores. With each purchase, a portion goes to the bookstore of your choice, so it's like you're helping the little guy you're buying local they've also partnered with their users by not putting limits on where you can listen to the audiobooks that you purchase and if you subscribe to their monthly plan the credits that you get each month never expire which you can't say the same thing for some of these other big uh we could call them the prince nottinghams of audiobooks and if you needed another reason to go check out libro.fm They've also partnered with this podcast, an independent podcast. One thing real quick. And as a listener, if you sign up for an account at Libro.fm and you use the offer code OTRQ, that's just the initials of this podcast, OTRQ, one thing real quick, you get two free audiobooks. And if you enjoy conversations about branding, like the one that we're having this week on the podcast, you might check out Brand Aid by Brad Van Auken as one of your first free audiobooks. So go now to Libro.fm, use the offer code OTRQ, and get yourself two free audiobooks. You know, maybe Libro.fm should change their name. Maybe it's something like Robin Hood Audiobooks. (laughs) Okay, probably not. All right, let's get back to my conversation with branding and naming expert Misty Johnson. So this is my question. You talked about renames, like mm-hmm. renaming things. Yes. So my question is, how do you respond when people react negatively to rebrands and to name changes? Sure. Um, it's a little bit, uh, you're going to have a reaction one way or the other. And so um, what we used to say is, uh, don't ever discuss names with your spouse. <laughs> It's just <laughs> never discuss names with your spouse because they will have no context. They will not have, um, they won't understand the brief. They won't, they'll just have the knee jerk reaction. Of course, I made the fatal mistake of talking to him about names and um, Miller had high life and he says, I know what it should be called. It should be called low life. Um, Miller low life <laughs> because it's low carb and it should be called low life. Um Oh, hire so, him. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's not gonna get. It's not gonna get through vetting very well. Yeah, no. Exactly, exactly. The linguistic, so, the linguistic yeah. check stops at at our language at, yes. at English. English, it, it exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You say low life to someone, it's not a good thing. So um, Rick and I kind of had that same philosophy with um, naming our kids. Is we did not share the names with family members or friends before they were actually born because we didn't want to hear if they didn't like it because it was going to be what it was going to be. 
Yeah. And it was better to do it as a fait accompli rather than this is open for suggestion. So yeah. I would say designed by committee, right? Exactly. That's the greatest way to exactly. never get anything done. That's right. That's right. Um, well, and the thing I had um, a boss say one time when we were on the phone, kind of there was a company that needed to change its name for legal reasons. Their question was, is how are you going to accomplish the task of getting us a name that we love? And he said, well, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to love the name as much as you love the one right now. Um, Interesting. Because he says it's just not possible when you've lived with a name for a while because it's something that already has a life, it already has legs, it's something that you've seen full grown. And so um, we kind of came at it as that way is we're going to try to get as close as possible to how much you love the name you currently have, but it's just not possible. That's really uh, that's really insightful advice. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. Because you know, you want to promise the stars and moon to say, "Of course, well, that's exactly what we do." And it's like, well, that's not possible. I don't care who you hire; it's, it's just the nature of the beast. Do you think that when you make a name change like this, that an organization is they're not going to love it as much at first? Correct. But that eventually over time, is, do you feel like there's a, that with time people can love a new name better than the old name? Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. I think, um, I mean, I think a lot of times no one likes change. And so the initial reaction is always fear and um, rejection. And so I think it's whenever people get their questions answered and they live with something. I mean, we always try to tell people um, that a name is like a suitcase. You can only put so many things in it before it explodes. And so you can't expect it to be the end all be all of your entire brand. I mean, you've, it can be, it can communicate one or two things. Um, and it also depends on how you build the story around that, um, around those one or two things. Cause you've got all these other elements to a brand besides the name. You've got logos, you've got colors, you've got advertising, you've got taglines, you have, I mean, if it's a, Sephora was a client of ours and we did the internal store design. And so like, what's the store or the customer experience like? So all those different elements all add up to the brand. The name is just the thing that you trademark. Yeah. Yeah. I remember hearing something once at a, is an industrial design conference and, and they were talking about how the product is the container of the brand. Mm -hmm. And as a graphic designer, I kind of took that and said, oh, well, dang, yeah. I thought the, you know, I, I design logos. I want to contain the, but it's, it's absolutely true. The product, the thing that you make, the thing that, that people are purchasing and interacting with and living right. with for hopefully years after they make that purchase, um, or if it's a service or whatever it is, that's the container of the brand. And I, so I like that you talk about the name being like a suitcase that can only hold so much because really the product is what holds everything. Exactly. And the client, I mean, and a lot of clients, we end up having to tell them, look, you're overstuffing the suitcase. It's just not possible. It's going to burst. It's not, you know, you need either a bigger suitcase or more suitcases. This is just um, because they want to be able to say, this is our brand, um, which is one reason like we worked really closely in my work with the, with the design team, because we did not like just sharing names 
black words on a white page because that's never how the brand is going to live. Yeah. And yeah. so we said you cannot properly judge something if you don't see it kind of in situ. So we would have the design team either mock it up And by on, situ, just for listeners, that's in situation, like in, in, in the environment yes. where it's going to live. That's right. So we'd have it either on on the shelf or we'd have it if it was a corporate thing, we'd have it on a T-shirt or, you know, letterhead or and sometimes we'd physically do them so we could actually say this is this is what your business card would look like and have your name and have. And so they can feel like, oh, I can see how my name would fit with that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we had one juxtaposition is essential. Right. To see we, how it interacts with its environment. Exactly. And so it depends on how much you tell a story behind the name. If you remember, I asked Misty about how she responds to the negativity that often surrounds the negative responses that often come after a name change. And she shared a story with me about a naming effort and a rebrand that went really, really well, which, first of all, I love that she turned my negative question into a positive She told me a story about a project they did for what was then called the National Dialogue on Cancer. It's an organization that was launched and co-chaired by former President H.W. Bush, that's the first Bush, and his wife, Barbara. Here's Misty. Um, And they needed a new name, they needed a new look, they needed a new um, everything. And so we produced a movie and uh, to unveil the name, and we went to... Washington, D.C., when they had the unveiling and the new name. Um, and we actually had it so that everyone's name badges, like if you flipped them over, had the new name on them. And oh, so nice. we actually had it so once it was unveiled, we could kind of say like, here, this is you. You're already living the brand. And so um, the new name was Sea change And it was literally C-Change. And so talking about how we want to make this different, we want to change the way people perceive cancer and how it's researched. And um, so we want to make this a sea change, but it's also we want to change perceptions and change cancer, cancer. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, To make it something that's not so scary anymore. And so um, like that was, it just was absolutely overwhelmingly positive response because partly I think they just, they saw all these different people who were on the board who are, I mean, they had, the Surgeon General, they had former President Bush, they had um, people of heads of cancer, like American Cancer Associate, uh, American Cancer Society, um, National Cancer Institute, that were s- talking about how they were going to create this sea change. Um, and that was before they'd even unveiled the name. They just talked about we need a sea change in the cancer conversation. And so it became I like how you like you're framing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it was already great. part of the vernacular. So when they actually unveiled the logo and the new name, it was like, well, of course, sea change that. Oh, that makes such that makes so, so much sense. And the color and the logo was um, the turning of a page in the shape of a sea. So um, nice. it was pretty you know worked with the whole thing but it also looked like a wave and so um it it was it was just beautiful it was overwhelmingly positive so that was that was really that's a rename that was a rename that that was really well adopted it was it was and that's great um 
you know, sometimes, sometimes that's not always the case. I mean, we've had where um, they've changed the name and they've come back and said, yeah, we can't do that. I need to thank Misty for taking the time to share some of these stories with me about her work and a huge thank you. Thank you for listening. One thing real quick is a podcast about the people who use creativity every day. I hope these are your people. And when I say that, I'm not only speaking to the designers and the artists and the musicians. I sincerely believe that creativity is an important part of living a fulfilled life and that everyone has the capacity to be creative in their work. Think of any job from the service industry to the people who run our government. Everyone can and really should approach their work creatively. If you know someone who is creative in a meaningful way, no matter their job title, regardless of what industry they work in, we want to hear about it. Send us a tweet or an email. The email address is in the, in the show notes. The Twitter and also the Instagram is at OTRQ Podcast. Send us a message. You can also call us and leave us the details on our voicemail. Call 405-373-OTRQ. That's 405-373-6877. Call and tell us about it. Share the show on social media and, of course, go leave a rating and a review. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify, and everywhere podcasts play. One Thing Real Quick is created by me, Evan McDonald. John M. Craig is our producer. Music for One Thing Real Quick is created by yours truly. We've got some links in the show notes to everything that I just mentioned. And remember, support our sponsors. There's a direct link to that killer audiobook, Robin Hood, whatever offer that 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 link, direct link is in the show notes. That's it for this episode of One Thing Real Quick. Thank you for listening. Until next week. Misty, one last question before we let you go. What are you reading? One book that I finished recently that's been around for a while is I Am Malala. So I've kind of been on the nonfiction bent. So I finished I Am Malala. And then I also finished reading Dan Rather's book, What Unites Us. I've kind of been on a political bent as well because I read A Higher Higher Loyalty by James Comey as well. Um, So yeah, so those are the kind of the things I, I, I've been reading because I feel like this day and age is almost feels like fiction. Yeah. So don't really, oh, man. yeah, you're not kidding. Yeah. So that's what I've been reading.